Um, I'm going to, um, let, me, let me just read a little bit from uh, Timothy. Go and put up the first slide there, Matt. So usually right, we're in the Bible Project, which where we're reading through. We're in Genesis and Luke right now. And usually our commitment is to preach through whatever it is that we've been reading that week. Um, but I want to share a bit from Timothy this morning. Um, and I'll explain why in a second. But let me just put the scripture uh, front and centre. So Paul says, this Paul is writing to a young guy, Timothy, who he'd mentored. Um, and, uh, and he's writing to him and he says these things. So he introduces himself, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Saviour and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith. Verse 3, as I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they're saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. So this is like the, the introduction to his letter. And you see there's this, this call to like persevere in the faith. There's this call to like be able to teach soundly. There's this call to to stand against those who are teaching wrong doctrine or whatever in the church. And I'm going to jump around 1 and 2 Timothy uh, a bit this morning. Usually I like to focus in on just like one verse or one passage. Um, but I'm going to jump in around it a little bit for two reasons. One, um, I feel there's two aims to this sermon. One is to call us to maturity out of faithfulness to Christ and the love for the other. And the second is to look at the role of the word of God in pursuing that maturity. Um, now the reason, the reason I'm in Timothy rather than, than being in John or in Genesis or in Luke or in Genesis like we are in our, our Bible reading is that, you know, in that week between Christmas and New Year's, I was um, going back over, over my journals, right? So I spent time with the Lord each morning and I usually, I usually write. So I'll be reading the scripture or whatever, I usually write down stuff. And um, I was looking back just at a year's worth of those kind of morning meetings with the Lord um, and the things that he'd been saying. And, uh, and back in June or July, uh, I came across this thing I'd forgotten about. Um, it was when I was away in holidays, and we were reading Timothy at the time. And, uh, and I had this dream, right? Now, I'm not one who usually, I'm not the dreams and visions kind of guy, right? But I had this dream, so much I woke up from the dream and I, I wrote it down. And uh, in the dream, it was like, um, do you ever have like an anxiety dream? Do you ever have like that dream that it's whatever, it's leaving certain maths? exam paper one or whatever and you're, 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 you're having, and you wake up with the relief that it's not actually I'm not actually doing me leaving cert again or, or whatever the anxiety if you're in work and you haven't finished a project or you're, there's something that's there but um, my anxiety dream which may be telling is that I was sitting I was sitting in church and I was getting up to preach and I had no sermon written right and, uh, and it was like the worship songs were playing and I had a notebook and I was sitting here and I was like scrambling to write a sermon right like in the countdown before the song's finished and uh, and I pulled together, in my dream, I pulled together a sermon on, on this topic, right, on, on maturity. Um, and I forgot all about it until I read it, I read it back in my journal. And I got up in the morning and I wrote down the, the dream and I wrote down the content of the sermon that I preached in the dream, right? And I was like, maybe the Lord wants me to, to, to preach that. I thought maybe that would be something I'll preach in church. But then whenever something distracted or I went on to the next thing. But looking back on it, looking back on my notebook, I felt... Well, maybe, maybe the Lord was, was in that. Maybe there was something that he wanted to say to us and I missed it or I bottled it. Because um, it, like, it was kind of a tough sermon. It turns out I'm a lot more tougher a preacher in my dreams than I am in real life, right? Um, uh, it was kind of like some like, rebuke in it, uh, or, like, but in a, in, a, in a challenging kind of way. Um, and so what I wanted to do was, was to look back, look back on that um, and... Uh, and I'll just share with you, like, so the guts of the dream was this, right? It was about the responsibility um, of those of us who've been Christians for a while um, to model behaviours that other people should copy. That was it, basically. About the influence that we can and that we should have on, on others as followers of Jesus, especially on younger people. And the illustration I used in the sermon that I wrote down after was the example we were on holidays with Penny and we just found, you know, you spend a bit of time with Penny and you use a word that you probably hadn't used before. Um, or that's unfamiliar to you, and then next thing, the next day, you hear you hear that repeated back from your child. Like just this influence that the things that you say, the way that you act around people, like especially around your children, that that they mirror it, they mirror it back to you. I see that in Penny, our little girl, all the time. Yeah, we have a friend Deborah who used to always be like, "Why does Penny look at me like she's judging me?" She's like, 
She looks at me like Rob Duff looks at me. She was like, we didn't a good reflection on me, right? That I was looking at someone like I was judging her. But or last night, last night we were off in our friend's house playing some uh, like board games, just around the table playing board games. And Penny got real like super competitive and super pedantic with the rules and super. But it was like looking in the mirror, right? It was like it was like that's that's me. And it was like not nice to see some of that stuff, right? It's not for trees, <laughs> no. But it's just, you know, like, so she, she picks up my behaviour, she picks up my mannerisms. Um, and the question, the question was this, when I was in, the, in that little sermon I wrote in my dream, was like, what are, if somebody was to imitate your life, what are the things that they're going to pick up as a, as a family? Paul writes to Timothy, my true son in the faith. Like, that's what he opens with there. He's like a child, this child. And Paul calls some people at different times. Like, he says to the, uh, to the Corinthians, he says at one stage, he's like, imitate me as I imitate Christ. The boldness of being able to say that, yeah? The confidence of being able to say, like, could we, could we say that out loud? I want, so if somebody's new to the Lord, somebody's just come to walk with the Lord, here, look, come alongside me, imitate me, and you're going to look like Jesus. Right? Like, there's a confidence, and I think we're meant to say that, we're meant to, we're meant to press to maturity, uh, to the point that we could say that. And uh, in my notebook, I just wrote down, I wrote down these, these, these things that morning when I woke up after the dream. Um, that... If we're people of God, right, if we're the people of faith, we're a church who've relegated God to living within boundaries that we've defined or we've settled for a life that's, that's not full, that that doesn't just affect us, but it affects the people who are coming after us. And it affects the people who we're meant to mentor, the people who we're meant to father, the people who we're meant to, to, to raise up. If we're people who, who only like read the word when we feel like it, but we're not consistently in it, if we're just content with being Sunday Christians, if we're not living in God-honouring relationships, if we're not responsive or looking for the moving of the Holy Spirit, if we're not serving in the church, but we're just being served by the church, if Jesus is Saviour in your life, but not Lord in your life, if we're not financially obedient to the Lord, if there's all of these things, if you raised a kid in a home that they were the attributes, what would you expect that kid to, to look like or to grow up looking like? They're going to pick up the same, the same things. And so there was this challenge from the Lord. Like I said, a bit of a rebuke or a warning. It turns out I'm like David Wilkerson in my dreams. When I preach, right? And there's a boldness to be like, this is what, this is, this is what the Lord might, might say to us, right? In love, because he wants to, to call us to maturity. He wants us to grow. But he also wants others to grow based on, on, your, based on your growth. And so back to, to Paul and Timothy. As I... So I was reading Timothy at that time, right? So subconsciously, that's probably what's going through my head and shaping, shaping th- that dream and those thoughts that I was having. And uh, I read it again over the last while. Um, and I just see again and again in it this, this, this fatherhood that Paul has. Like he opens up to, uh, to Timothy. Paul didn't have any kids. Um, uh, but he opens up to Timothy, my true son, in the faith. And as you, as you read through the letters, they're filled with this fatherly affection. Um, he really wants to encourage Timothy. It's like Paul's been through stuff and he knows Timothy's going to face some of the things that he's faced, some of the persecutions he's faced, some of the suffering he's faced, some of the challenge that he's faced as he's looked to be true to the word and he just keeps calling him back to it. You know, he's like, fan into flame, the gift. Don't forget, don't let anyone look down on you when, because you're young. Remember what the Lord has said to you. Remember how you were raised. Remember what he has for you. But it's all in the context of this. It's all in the context of the, of the other. Everything that he commands Timothy to do isn't just for Timothy's benefit, but it's for the benefit of the people who he's called to, to minister to, the people who God has overlapped his, lives, his life with. And so what Paul has done with Timothy, he's asking Timothy to do with, with, with other people. And I feel that's part of the Lord's calling on our lives, guys, to, to mature. Do you know Paul at one stage, right, so in Corinth, to the Corinthians, he's able to say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. To the Philippians, he's talking about being raised from the dead, like what happens after death and stuff. And he goes into like a bit of testimony stuff. And he says, look, I'd rather go to be with the Lord right now. I'm so confident of what, of what Jesus has done that if I die, I know I'm going to go to be with the Lord in an instant. He actually says, the only reason I want to hang around is for your, for your benefit. It's like, his life is aligned with, like, I know I could just go and be with Jesus, right? But I, I, I have something to do that's, that, that I, I exist for your, for your benefit. There's this connection, this connection to, the, to the other, an orientation of his life around, yes, the love that God has for him, but like when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And it's like, love the Lord your God, with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. You can't separate it from the second. And the second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. They're like two parts of the, the whole. There can be a danger that as a, a church um, or as a people of God, 
we might just relegate that to just the first thing. It's just about me and Jesus. Or it's just, and it absolutely is about you and Jesus, but it's not just about that. It's about the purposes for which you were made, that you were connected um, to, uh, to a church. Um, so, like Paul goes on, you'll see it, and so if we put up the next slide, now, in various places, 2 Timothy 2.2, he says this, All the things that you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So Paul's vision of what the church was to look like is this. So you've seen, I've taught you some stuff, Timothy. Now you're to teach it to other people who in turn can teach others. He's thinking like generations, like three generations away from him. Yeah, Paul to Timothy, Timothy to others who in turn can teach others. That is meant to be this communal way that we grow in the things of God. That is not just about you reading your Bible in isolation or you reading the books or listening to the podcast in isolation. It's this connection that's meant to exist between believers. And then he goes on in 1 Timothy 4, uh, 12, he says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech. Now this is important, right? It's not just let no one despise you for your youth, or you do you, and you be connected to the Lord, and you pursue your own individual relationship with the Lord, and make sure that you, you prioritize that, and you just look after yourself and stand alone. He says, but set the believers an example. The reason for it is that the believers need an example, yeah? The, the people who he's around, set them an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. See that? To the public reading of Scripture, right? Not to just the personal reading of Scripture, but the public reading. So he's like, Timothy, you have a role to play in other people's lives. You're meant to publicly proclaim that stuff. To exhortation is done to someone else, to exhort them, to encourage them. It's like the connection between them. And so as I read through 1 and 2 Timothy with this lens, I just see that nearly everything, the context for, for Timothy's growth and Paul's encouragement is for the benefit of of the other. It's for the benefit of, of the church. There's this charge to grow for the sake of others. And, do you know, sometimes I was challenged myself, even like a bit convicted myself, because usually if I get up and I was to encourage you guys to pursue maturity, it would usually, I would usually try and appeal to your own, your own sense. I, I would usually try to appeal to what's good for you. Yeah? I would usually try to be, look, pursue Pursue the presence of the Lord each day and you'll have more peace of mind. You'll have peace of heart. Pursue this and your relationships will be better. Pursue this and your finances will be better. Pursue this and, you know, something that benefits you. That's, that's usually my, my perspective on it. Like in terms of trying to maybe sell it to somebody or convince you to give, to give this stuff a go. And while those things are, are true, they're missing, they're missing the bigger picture. And I think they might be more of a product of the individualism of the world that we live in than they are like a true reading of what scripture says that maybe look at scripture and see it through this lens this assumed set of beliefs that i have this that i'm immersed i've been raised in a culture that says really it's about it's about you rob you need to do what makes you happy what fulfills you so maybe i'll engage in your life but only to the extent that i feel fulfilled in doing that it's probably not true love for the other that motivates but love for me love for myself and so I'm a bit convicted around that thing because in Scripture I don't see that appeal, you know? I don't see that appeal to, to you look after you. I see the opposite. I see, I see a Jesus who says, like, the greatest commandment isn't, like, love yourself. The greatest commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. There's a connection. There's a connection between the two. Not just love yourself. And it's the Jesus who says, love your enemies. The Jesus who, like, who, who commands us, like, to be involved in other people's lives. And Jesus, who didn't just stay by himself, didn't just stay in heaven. Do you know, like it is who came and pursues and lives and sacrificially um, around us. And, and scripture is clear on it, yeah. If you really look at it, it speaks about the church as a body, like who all need one another. It speaks about unity. Um, it speaks about loving one another. I don't think you could be more clear, but I think somehow we're so immersed in an individualistic world, right, that everything else that shouts at us, we can see church through that. And you can pick a church then based on what feeds your own individualness um, the best. And so we're so immersed in it. Even, even sometimes, right, the phraseology we use, the, the words that we use, you know, we, we'll, we'll use this phrase, God wants a personal relationship with you, which is true, right? At its best, it, what we're saying that is like, you don't need an intermediary between you and God, right? He wants to personally relate. He wants to live in you by your Holy Spirit, which is awesome. He wants intimacy with you. He wants to know you. You don't need to go via a priest to know him or whatever, but he personally is interested in you, that he loves you, that he made you, that he formed you in your mother's womb, that he knows the plans he has for you, that he wants you to experience his love day after day, right? All of that is absolutely true, and maybe that's what we think when it's summed up in that phrase. But also, 
what we can tend to think, or by extension, it can be like extended to mean, is like this individualistic relationship where it's just about you. It's just about you and Jesus. And that's what we promote, and that's what we prioritize, and that's what we resource. And we have like, here, get this devotional book. You go away and read that by yourself. Listen to this podcast. You go away and do that by yourself. It's not a, a, communal, a communal thing. The Bible speaks about the opposite. It speaks about being saved into a family, into a community, into a group of people who need you and who you, you need. That intentionally, Jesus in his genius intentionally says he gives, the Holy Spirit gives gifts to those as he, desire, as he desires, right? So that we need one another. No one person expresses the fullness of who Jesus is, but his church expresses the fullness. Or, when we talk about a personal relationship with God, which only kind of came about in the 50s, I think Billy Graham popularised the phrase, right? It's not a biblical phrase, but you'd almost think it is, you know what I mean? Well, God wants a personal relationship with you. We can often think of that as well as, a, as a, like a private relationship with God. Whereas we're called, we're not called to a private relationship with God, you're called to a public relationship, public proclamation of Jesus as Lord, a demonstration of it that exists beyond the private realm into the public sphere. So it's both, right? There's, there's a way that I know God when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm on my own with him. But what I'm becoming more and more convinced of is that I'm limited in the, the way that I can know God if I'm only spending time with him by myself. That God's intentionally limited to say that I need to be with you to experience some of who, of who God is. That can go against whatever else the world says. It says just take all of these things and consume and make it a Jew. But the Bible propels us outwards um, into others. Paul, the same Paul says in Ephesians, Ephesians 1 in his opening about the church, he's like, God put all things under his feet, you know, speaking about Jesus, and he says, gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church is the fullness of God, the way that the fullness of God is expressed in the world is via the church. Now, the church isn't one person, the church is the communal body. Like, it's like, we need to be in the church to have the fullness of God expressed. We need to be connected to one another. This group of people who you gather with this morning is where you're meant to find the fullness of him. And you're meant to be a contributor to the fullness that other people experience. It's not just in your own heart, not just on your own, but with, with his people. So what am, I, what am I saying there? Which It's a thought that's I don't know if it's fully new to me, but it might be, it might be, it might be new to you. That the call... The call to maturity as a Christian, which is all I feel to call us to, the Lord would call us to, is right a call to a sense of greater, greater love for God, but it's also a call to greater love for one another. And that the motive for maturity, the motive for wanting to be more mature in the Lord, isn't just the love of God, but it's also the love of your brother and sisters. That your life is meant to impact your brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you hear that? That's the new thought, right? That... The call to maturity, the motivation for maturity, isn't just what's good for you, but is love, is love for the other. That we want to grow because of the brothers and sisters who we, who we love. Do you know an example, right, would be this, would be, so I can go on, right, just as a bloke, I can go on living with whatever, my own insecurities, my own failings, my own fears, and whatever. But if you said to me, right, if you said to me, Rob, Unless you deal with those things, Penny is going to have the exact same things and your grandkids to come after are going to have the exact same things. Now there's a motivation for me to deal with them which is beyond just the me that's motivated by love for somebody else. Because There's no way I want her to have the same insecurities or the same, the same failings or the same sins or whatever. And there's an extent to which when we deal with them, we're dealing with them not just for us but for the other who we, who we love. And uh, I encourage you lads, especially you guys who are in from Tiglin, like like... My mum and dad, my, my dad came to know the Lord. He's a heroin addict, uh, like back in the late 70s. He came to know the Lord. Had all sorts of, came from abuse in his family that brought it out in drug taking. Addicted to heroin, addicted to alcohol, addicted to tablets and sleeping tablets and all sorts, of, all sorts of stuff, right? But he battled for things in the Lord and got through stuff that none of me or me, me and my three sisters, none of us suffer with any of those things. Any of those afflictions. Yeah, he had his struggles, he had his ups and his downs, he had his battles that he won, he battles that he lost, but, but, but we are the beneficiaries of those, of those battles. We don't struggle with any of those things. So what you guys are doing in terms of getting your life right, in terms of pressing on to maturity in the Lord, is not just for you, but it's for the people to come after you, right? Whether they're your physical kids, who you have, or if you don't have physical kids, they're your children in the faith, like Paul can say to Timothy, my true son, in faith, it's your brothers and sisters 
who will connect you to it. That your victory isn't just for you, it's for those who are to come after you and those who are to be alongside you and those who your life is meant to, is meant to impact. I believe God would want us to, oh, that's the, the essence of the sermon, open our eyes to, your maturity isn't just about you. It's not just that you need to be good in the world, right? It's that the person sitting beside you needs you to be good in the world so that you can encourage them and build them up. It's not just that you need to get past your sins, it's that the person beside you needs you to get past your sins so that you can be a truer representation of who Jesus is to them. Call them on, be able to say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Be able to walk together with the side. It's the connection to the other that's to be our, our motivation. The alternative, guys, is that if we're stagnant in our growth, if we just like grow to this stage, we don't step into the things of God, we know we have gifts on our life, we don't pursue them, we know we have calls on our life, we just kind of leave them on the back burner. It's not just you set the ceiling for where you're, where you're going to grow, it's you set the ceiling for those who you're meant to impact with your gifts. They don't grow, they don't grow beyond you. Before you know it, you have a church that's dead, a church that has a low, a low ceiling, a low expectation of what Jesus can do. Why? Because they mature in inverted commas and that set that low ceiling. Everyone else who comes into it comes into a space where this is what, this is, this is the extent of what this following Jesus is about. We need to break through those things, not just for our own sake, but for the sake of those who are, who are to come around, for the sake of the community we minister to, for the sake of those we love, our families, our friends, our work colleagues, the things that God... We shouldn't be able to say to people, come follow Jesus and be miserable like I am, right? We should be like, come follow Jesus, imitate me as I imitate Christ, yeah? And to be the church, I believe that God would press it into us, like to be the church that aren't hypocrites, to be the church that people won't look inside and say, well, I don't actually want what they want, but what they have, what they have. I don't want what they have, what they have isn't all that, all that great. That's what's at stake in maturity, is like the witness to the world. How many people would you know that could look at churches and say, I'm not interested in what they're, I'm not interested in what they're, they're selling? Because it hasn't, it's stopped being good news to us. We just like grow to a certain level and then just maintain the status quo. We're meant to be going from glory to glory to glory as we behold God. There's no end to it until we go to be in glory, yeah? And the, the, the result of that is that we pull other people up. The result of that is like, like show me your friends, show me the people who you hang around with and it'll set the bar for, for where you go, yeah? You start hanging around with people who are serious about God. You start hanging around with people who are in the Word. Hang around with people when you're sitting in a cafe and they'll pull out the Bible and start talking to you. Like that sets the, that sets the scene for my once. I want to be like that. Let's be the people who call one another to that stuff. Not the people who like settle. And there's like a status quo because we settle and everyone else is like, well, if they're settling, that's all right. If that's what it kind of looks like to follow Jesus, let's all just do that. Paul challenges Timothy, 2 Timothy 4 4. I think it's the next slide. Listen to the words he even says, right? He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing and by his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teach. First of all, this call to maturity, this call to being ready, this call to be, to be in, like, on, in, in the purposes of God. He uses the strongest. Look at this. Sometimes I think I hope, I like, I don't know. Sometimes as I, as I pass to you guys, I, I probably just like, well, why not give this a go, right? I speak like with. Maybe if you tried this, it's, like, it's kind of soft. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of just left to you if you want to do it or not. Paul says this, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's the judge, the living and the dead, the dead, and by his appearing and by his kingdom. It's like he's just listing out things. This is serious. This isn't Timothy. Maybe it would be a good idea if you, if you, did, if you did this stuff. Like I charge you by, by Jesus and his appearing and his ascension. And like I charge you by the most important things that have ever happened in the world. I charge you by the fact that Jesus is returning. I charge you by the fact that there's a living God who's made you for a purpose. It's like this, this forceful, you, you don't get a choice in this. You know, obviously we have free will, right? But, but when we choose, we should realize the extent to which we're choosing. We're choosing not to walk in our gifts. We're choosing to walk in a different direction. Or to, to put a limit on what, what, what should be what should be incredible, yeah? The fact that God has called you, the fact that Jesus is returning things, we should be living in light of, of Christ Jesus who's going to judge the living and the dead, the fact of a judgment day to come, yeah? And by his appearing and by his kingdom, the fact that we're meant to be part of this kingdom of God, that's not like he charges them by this. And what's he charging to do? Preach the word, which I'll, I'll, I'll come to. And then he says to reprove. That means like, it means to like, to kindly, it's, it's less, rebuke is the next one, which is more like a strong, forceful thing. Reprove is to come alongside and be like, it's a kinder hearted kind of rebuke, right? To be like, man, I see, I see, this, is, this isn't good, is it? Do you know what I mean? But let's walk together. Let's, let's let, like, to show people, to be, 
And, and God, God has intentionally made it that way, yeah? In Ephesians 4, where he speaks about the, the body, he speaks that the body will be building itself up as it speaks the truth in love to one another. That that's meant to be the space, that you would have people in your lives close enough to you, because we're all blind to our own sin. You'd be aware of it to a certain extent, but we need people, we need to allow people close enough to recognise the sin in your life and call it out. I spoke the other week about uh, creating me a clean heart, that sermon where Nathan comes to David and just opens David's eyes to a sin. He's blind to it, yeah? And we need people who are close enough to do that, to reprove or to rebuke is the next one if that's the case. If the softly, softly approach doesn't work, to be able to call it out like it is. And rebuke is still, is still done with love because, you see, at the end it's with complete patience and, and with teaching. It's not just the rebuker who's like sitting around, okay, now let me figure out what's wrong with Bernard so I can go and, and rebuke him. Do you know what I mean? Let me figure out what's wrong with Patrice so I can go. And. It's, uh, it's, it's the thing with love and with patience. And what do I, like in relationship with Bernard, what can I see in his life like that maybe he's blind to? What can he see in my life that maybe I'm blind to? How can we develop relationships to the extent that we can speak the truth in love to one another without fighting back, without bottling, without being defensive, but that God might use us to be able to speak to each other's each other's hearts. And then exhort. Exhort means this to encourage. That's what Paul does throughout this letter where he's like, Timothy, fan into flame. Remember who you are. Remember all the goodness. Remember what God has in you. It's like encouraging people to, to be who God has them to be. And it's with complete teaching and patience. And that's the, that's the key there, right? It's the, role of, it's the role of the Word of God in this. Uh, I have a friend, Cameron, who speaks around... Uh, just has this beautiful way with scripture. If you ever sit with anyone, they open up scripture and just like, just this, just tell this guy loves, this guy loves scripture. Just the way he talks about it. And he talks about, he's a pastor. He talks about when he's pastoring somebody and he'll sit down. He doesn't sit with somebody as an authority saying, now here's what you should do, right? Like two people in a room and I'm the authority and you're the, you're the one to listen to me. He said instead, he sits with people like a brother and they let the word of God be the authority in the room. They'll sit together and they'll open up scripture. Like, what does scripture say about this? How do we obey? What would it speak to your heart in what you're facing right now? It's like with complete teaching means like relying on the word of God to do what it can always do, only do. And anyway, all of this stuff, do you see how it's other focused? Like the call to Timothy isn't just, isn't only Timothy persevere, isn't only just, though, though that's there, but it's not just Timothy, you be faithful, you be true in isolation. The way in which he's faithful and he's true is to, Preach the word. That involves other people. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Be in people's lives. Be responsible for the other, not just for yourself. That the context is the people who God loves. They're the setting for it. They're the beneficiaries of it. And uh, I'm just convinced, becoming convinced, that part of the way that we love God and that we experience the love of God is to, is to be involved in the lives of others. That is just so essential. And that goes against the grain, right? That, that's, that's tough, especially if you're an introvert like me. I would love if the Bible said, here's how you grow in the Lord, Rob. Go off to a mountain by yourself and hang out in a cabin and cut some wood and light some fires and write some music. And, do you know what I mean? And then that's just, and that's it. Just, you know what I mean? Just about you and him. And we do see times where Jesus withdrew to lonely places to pray, where he went up on the mountainside. But always, look what happens after those spaces. He's back down, charged up in the presence of God, to go and do what he was called to do and, and with intention moves towards even his crucifixion. Sacrifice on behalf of the other. Love expressed for the other. We see it in the example. That that's a great place to visit and a place we should visit but it's not the place where you're meant to, where you're meant to live. Yeah? We're meant to live our lives in the context of others. So we might love, it would suit my needs better if the Bible said something more aligned with my personality but it doesn't. And the word of God is the word of God. My, my understanding isn't the Word of God. My preferences aren't the Word of God. We need to trust that Bernard opened with. Do we just trust that he's good? Do we step into it? Do we trust that we're going to be obedient to this stuff? I'll finish with this, like just that the call to maturity, because in the context of Timothy, you can't get away from it, there's always this element of the Word there. There's always there's this connection between maturity and, and the Word of God. It just, it's, just, it's just all over the place. And I just encourage you guys, there's no greater tool that you have for growing in maturity than the word of the Lord. And let's, like, please don't let us be the people whose Bibles are dusty. Don't let, you know, it might feel like we're harping on each week when we talk around the Bible project, get on, read the, the portions of Scripture. That's out of love for you, because I know there's, there's, there's nothing better you can do than first thing in the morning, open up Scripture. But like, your mercies are new every morning, what do you have to say? 
what are you speaking to my heart? What are you speaking to my life? Who do you want me to speak to? What do you want to... Like, even just a point of surrender. You want to be a better husband? You want to be a better wife? You want to be a better worker? You want to be a better sister? You want to be a better brother? Oh, the Word of God will produce all of that. You want to be a better prayer? You want to be better in mission? The world, the Word of God produces that stuff. It's living and active as we're, as we're in it. It produces what it's... What it, what it, what it, it's more than just like a, a book that you might read about, I don't know, workout plans, and then you have to put it into action. It's not just like something that you have to read and then, and then apply, though we do have to apply it. It's something that as you read in it, there's power in it to actually change and create new realities in your life. It, 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 it has that creative power. Paul goes on in Timothy and he talks around all these different examples. People who've drifted away from the gospel. We opened up with some of it. You know, they just get caught up in the genealogies and the, what's that? People not seeing the wood for the trees, opening up whatever numbers and like, you know, I'm just going to get obsessed with this. Or people who get obsessed with Revelation or people who get obsessed with different portions of scripture, right? And they do that. What's the, the result when they get obsessed like that? It's not like being sent out into the world very often. It's like withdrawal, right? That there's, there's a way that we can read it, but it doesn't we're not allowing it to, to do what it's meant to do. It's reading it with obedience in mind, reading it with the love of God in mind, reading it with the other in mind. And that he changes our hearts as we, we do that. He talks about people, says days are coming when people are going, only going to listen to what they want to hear. And they'll just find teachers who tell them what they want to hear. Yeah? You can go on YouTube right now and just find somebody who says the opposite of this sermon if you want. You know what I mean? If you're challenged by it and you're like, man, like you can just excuse it away. Go and find somebody who says the opposite and then align your, your heart with that. Um, he talks about people getting just caught up in a reverent babble, just like you know, just, just no peace, it's just spouting off stuff, but there's no truth to it. There's no, there's nothing of God in it. It's even irreverent. It's like nothing about God, you know. It's, and all the while he calls Timothy to stand firm, recognizes the, the nature of our hearts and the nature of my heart, right? To chase distractions or the tendency to believe lies that more align with the kind of life that maybe I want to live. Or the likelihood of people twisting and misusing scripture for their own gain. All things Timothy experienced, all things we experience. My hope and prayer is that as we become people of the word, right? As we're in it. That's why we have a daily Bible reading thing. It's like this daily practice. Why would, I, why would I let a day go by where I'm not putting myself in the way of what God would, what would want to say to me? I'm not putting myself in the way of the law of God. So that when these things come, the counterfeit stuff... You recognize them, not, not in some like dry theological way, well, their theology is off because that's antinomianism versus whatever, like, you know. But it's like that person isn't describing the God who I know. You know? It's like this relationship with God that's developed in it. It's like alarm thing with God, no, they're, they're not. That's not Jesus they're talking about. Do you know what I mean? That's not God they're talking about because it calls us to relationship with Him. In the Word, you don't just get to know about God, it's a tool that has given us to, that we get to know Him. And so, he says this in, uh, in, in, in 1 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 4, I put it up there, Malachi, the last, the last slide, I think he says this. But as for you, continue, verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from who you, whom you learned it. Um, again, talking about this relationship, Paul with Timothy, you know who you learned this from, this is good stuff. And he says, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And he goes on, this all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. I mean, it speaks, it speaks for itself. It's just it's like, remember your life, Timothy. Remember the times that people taught you, what they taught you, how you've gone through. Remember those words, because all the scripture is going to work together. It's good for correction. It's good for reproof. It's good for teaching. It's good for training you in righteousness so that you can be complete, so that you can be equipped for everything God has called you to do. I'm so grateful for, spoke about my man and dad there, I'm grateful for parents who raised me to be in the Word. I was only talking to Penny this week and uh, I remember at around her age, I don't know what brought it up, but I remember at around her age, I read the Bible cover to cover, right? And you had this Bible that split it up into 365 readings about five chapters a day. Remember 11 or 12? Yeah, I think you just like read through and did that for a few years in a row. Remember the first Bible verse I ever learned was probably only about five. It's from Psalm 119. It says this, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. From five years old. Great first memory verse, isn't it? <laughs> I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And since then, like there's just been a hunger for the word. Yeah, there have been seasons where it goes dusty, right? I'm not going to pretend that, that, that I'm, I'm that disciplined. I'm not going like, to compare to trying paint yourself as being like holier or better than anybody else. But 
I don't have the confidence to say, in that regard, imitate me as I imitate Christ, yeah? Be in the Word of God. Be immersed in it. Be, I pulled off my shelf this morning. Um, so this is my Bible. When I was a teenager, this is a new Bible. Um, and uh, I remember it. I was thinking through it this morning. I remember the little notes in it. I remember like the character studies like, about people. Like, I remember this. I pulled these off the shelf as well. This is my dad's Bible. Um, my man and dad both gone to be with the Lord. But look how battered it is. Look how... Like, hey, look how, how much it was read, how many pages it was burned. This is my man's Bible. And um, you open it up and you just see, like, stuff is underlined and notes in the margin. And it just speaks of a life, like a legacy, like a life of life spent, immersed in the Word. And I'm the beneficiary of that. I'm saying that to say there's people who got serious in the Word, and because they got serious in the Word, my life is different. My life is changed. What's the legacy that you're leaving behind, church? What's the legacy, Christian? Believer in Jesus. What's the legacy? What's your life producing? That's the church you were meant to be. Paul can say to Timothy, things I taught you past the morning. You can say to the Philippians, or to the Corinthians, imitate me. That's who you're meant to be, church. It's the call to you to mature, to be able to say to those coming to faith, right? Walk with me, learn from me, imitate me. And if that sounds mad to you, right? If that sounds crazy, like your life is not one that you'd want someone else to imitate, can I ask you, why are you settling for that? Why? Are you comfortable? I don't know. Just <laughs> why? Why would you settle for that? If it's not, if you look at your life and you're like, this isn't something I would want for someone else, why settle for it for yourself? We should, we should mature. We should mature in love, not just. Not just for ourselves, but mature out of love for, for the other. I encourage you just be in the word church. Like, be normalize taking it out over coffee. Normalize speaking about it. Don't set the ceiling of, like, oh, this is weird, this is awkward, and people think I'm being holy, or people, like, so what? Like, normalize it. Be, be people who leave, who leave a legacy for others. Get into a home church where we organize around this being the way of life that we live together, being in the world together, knowing each other's lives, walking with each other, close enough to speak the truth and love, to reprove and exhort and encourage, and all of those kind of things. I'm telling you, the big swathes in my life, right, the big turning points in my life, have all been marked by scripture, all been marked by times where God spoke to me in reality of something that either called me into new, new things, that either transformed my life, that helped me overcome sin. I can tell you, like, the big swathes in my life marked by scripture. I can tell you my story marked by scriptures that shaped it along the way. Just, just get into the Word. Press into maturity. Like I said, get into a home church where, where there's a closeness, where it's not you're sitting in a room and one person's talking at you, trying to tell you to do this stuff, but what if our lives look like we're overlapped to the extent that we're encouraging or walking with each other in this? This is what we're committed to. This is how, this is how we're shaped. We're mutually accountable and practicing the ways of Jesus together as a family. We're growing in love for one another. I was chatting with Bernard, Bernard the other day, and uh, he reminded me of uh, John Eldridge singing this is a while back at a men's group. And uh, John Eldridge phrased it this way, it's like, like it's, well, the maturity, or like he says basically this, is strength on behalf of others. Strength on behalf of the other. That your purpose, guys, is to have an impact beyond yourself. And the kind of rebu- 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 rebuking truth is that your life as it is right now will have an impact on others, regardless of whether it's mature or not. It leaves a legacy to those around you. It leaves a legacy to those coming up after you, coming up alongside you. What's that going to be? I believe God in love and in mercy would call us into, into maturity, into picking up the things that we put down, into getting serious about the things that we haven't been serious about, and into being mature, fully mature, so that our body, as a body, we can equip. Remember these words that, that it's not just you need to be mature in the word because it's good for you. It's the person sitting beside you and in front of you and behind you and living beside you and in the, you share life with. They need you to be mature in God. There can be a bit of us, unless the Holy Spirit does it in our life, does it in our lives, there can be a bit of us that can just say, oh, well, so what, that's up to them. Do you know what I mean? But it's, uh, it's the Lord who needs to motivate and shape our hearts. We want to share in communion. And uh, in communion, we remember the one who sacrificed ultimately. We remember the one who didn't consider the quality of God was something to be asked and emptied himself, taken on the form of a servant, being obedient to death, and to the cross. That he was willing to do what it took to see, to see you lifted up. He was willing to do what it took to see you benefit. 
Uncle the only way that we can actually won't be guilted into the into maturity. It's like if the Lord actually causes us to love one another the way that say Paul was able to love Timothy and call him my true son in the faith. That those kind of things that, you know, I naturally love Patrice or I naturally love Penny and would sacrifice on their behalf. But what what God has to do the thing to make it to make it that I would do that on behalf of somebody outside of that, do you know what I mean? Outside of that service. It's like natural love and there's supernatural love. And supernatural love extends that to loving one another to the extent that I'll sacrifice on your behalf. I'm going to grow up. I'm going to make sure I'm mature in the Lord because you need me. That's what's in you. If the enemy is saying anything different, saying, I don't have this, I don't have that, you need to be in scripture so that you're reproved, rebuked, exhorted, and the truth is proclaimed to you that you do have. You do have everything. The word of God, what's it say there? Is breathe out God, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, that the man of God, extends to the woman of God, may be complete and equipped for every good work. That there's a maturity that we can press into where you're complete and equipped for the good works that God calls you to walk in. Don't settle for being immature. Don't settle for it. I think that it was on the Lord's heart to say that to us. I apologise, Lord, for not preaching it in June or July 2023. Uh, hopefully we didn't miss six months of maturity. Uh, but he's, uh, he's there and he's calling us. He's calling us to it. The way that we do it, the way we grow in love, we're going to share in communion. We have the picture of Jesus' body broken for us. We have his blood poured out for us. We have that great love that he has. The same Jesus who said to his uh, disciples, greater love is no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. The same Jesus who said to them, the way that I've loved you, you're to love one another. This is how they're going to know you follow me. Because you're going to love one another the way that I loved you. He lays down his life. He will call you to lay down your life for one another. He will call us to deep love. Even the picture... We share, I know it's like little pre-packaged COVID things we had there, right? But the picture, the original picture, he breaks off a loaf. You get a bit of the loaf. You get a bit. It's one body. It's this picture of unity. And when we consume it, it comes inside us. This thing, this, this one Christ is, is the thing that unites us. His love, his sacrifice, his brokenness unites us. We remember it. We remember that we're called to love in the same way. We remember that we share in the same thing. We're part of one body. We share from the one, from the one cup. Um, my prayer is that as we do this, God will cause us to, to grow in love for each other. That he would do that by the power of his spirit. That you would be able to say to the people beside you, my son in the faith, my brother, my sister, I mean it with the same sort of affection and love. That's supernatural, right? Jesus, I can't convince, you know, I can't convince myself into that, right? Let alone convince anyone else into it. But only, only you can do that. Um, Bernie, would you just pass those around? It's brilliant, thank you. And... Um, I'll pray, and um, I don't know, just by way of having the space. Malik, if you get ready, would you play that last song that we, we just played? Because um, that spoke around Jesus. Jesus, have it all, or take it all, or you are my all. Some of the words were, were something like that. Um, and uh, I'm going to pray, Lord, as we come to your table. We remember, first of all, Lord, that you gave it all. You didn't hold anything back, Lord. Not even your life, Lord, to that extent. And... Um, as we share in this bread, as we share in this, this, this cup, we remember your sacrifice and we proclaim it, Lord God. We remember your covenant, we remember what you've done to make us right with you. We also remember that that extends to making us right with one another, to reconciliation with our families, with our brothers and sisters, to unity. We remember as we take it that we're, we are one and we partake in one thing and we share in one thing. Remember that that's the reality in heaven, that you live in each of us by our spirit and you unite us. But we pray that it will become our lived reality here on earth. We open up our hearts for you to shape and change them, Lord. If there's been conviction or challenge this morning, um, as we take of this, we remember that conviction and challenge comes right alongside the grace to actually change. And the way that we do it is by you changing us from the inside out. So, Lord, there's no condemnation we receive no condemnation, but we do listen for the conviction of the Holy Spirit that would lead to us being changed. And in this moment, as we know in our own hearts how we're meant to mature, we know where we've dropped out of the race, we know where we've dropped the ball, we know where we've, we've not treated our gifts and what you've called us to do as something holy, but instead as something optional. We repent and we receive your forgiveness because of what you did on the cross, and we also receive your grace to obey to step back into the race, to pick back up the ball 
to step into our gifts. And would you cause us to love one another and would you cause us to mature for your glory. As we finish, take the, the bread and the, the, the cup whenever you want, we finish with this worship song. Um, there's an opportunity to just respond in your heart um, to whatever the Lord might say in this. Amen.
bless you, Lord. Patrice just reminded me of a, a story. She said, I thought you were going to use this illustration. So uh, shared, like C.S. Lewis shared this story. I think it might be in uh, Grief Observed, one of his books. But uh, it was when a friend of his passed away. He had like three friends. Like, they called Donald and Paul and John. And Donald passed away. And he said, when we lost Donald, we didn't only lose Donald, but we, lose, we lost the way that Paul used to laugh at his jokes and the way that John would roll his eyes when he'd walk into a room or whatever. And it was this truth he was trying to communicate that there's, there's something in each of us that sparks off something else in someone else. And we withdraw your gifts from people you're withdrawn part of, part of who God is from, from your withdrawn part of who they're meant to be and part of how they're meant to be shaped. There's this encouragement to be, to be connected to, uh, to one another. And uh, I want to finish, I'm just going to pray this charge over you guys that Paul prayed over Timothy. Um, by way of finishing, I say this. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please have a cup of tea, uh, connect together. If you're not in a home church, come see me or Bernard if you want to get connected into people who are trying to walk that way of life together. It's really important. Um, so yeah, please do. Get on the Bible Project. If that was one of the challenges on you to, to grow in the Word, go to libertychurch.ie, our website. Click on the Bible in the top link and you'll see the day's, the day's reading there. Join in on it, Jeff. Yeah?